amazing grace. In your life, how amazed are you by God's grace? And what does grace mean to you? This past year in 2015, our church has seen dramatic change. Our church has been through seasons in one year. The year is not complete yet. We still have about a month and a week to go. And the only thing that's been able to keep me through these seasons of change is God's grace. I have to have his grace. If you've never pastored, maybe you can't even understand what I'm saying. But I assure you today that without God's grace, I definitely wouldn't be standing before you today. Almost on a weekly basis, when I leave church on Sunday, I feel like I'm spent. I read through the week. I study through the week. I try to find examples for your life. I try to find uh, some steps that you can take to become a better Christian. I care about your well-being. I pray for you. I seek God for our church. But by Monday morning, normally, I want to quit. Every week. I don't want your pity. I want your prayer. I've been meeting with our pastoral team for the past two and a half months trying to get a plan for next year. Because I believe God wants us to live out a plan that he has for our life. His grace is the only thing that will take us to where we need to be. Our sermon today is supposed to be about Galatians 5, 13 through 24. If you're taking notes, please write that scripture reference down. Galatians 5, 13 through 24. The message is supposed to be about that there is freedom in Christ. freedom in Christ that leads you to serve others rather than yourself. The youth this weekend have attended what's known as the youth convention for the state of Kentucky. All the youth groups meet together one time a year and teenagers come together 
to worship Jesus collectively. I normally attend those. Just to get to watch the teenagers once a year go down front in Frankfurt in front of their peers and raise their hands and worship to Jesus. Some of it I don't understand real well. Some guy named Fidel or something. Look at him smiling. Fidel is apparently... It's like Christian rap, I guess is the best way to say it. Is that what the best way? Christian rap. And I watched them online as they were in the front. They was raising their hand. I watched them online this weekend as they were down there. And I saw them worshiping in a way that's not normally the way we worship. I see... The students across Kentucky universally worshiping Jesus in a way that most likely they never do at their home church. And they do it because there's freedom there because everybody else is performing that way or acting that way. And I saw, Amy, where you posted that next year maybe Landon gets to go. And I remember going to youth events after I got into the church, to youth camp, to different things, the youth convention. They used to call it something else. Huh? Fall fling. It's had all different kinds of names. It's where the youth get together. And I thought about how much easier it is to experience God when you get into a group of people that wants and desires to experience God. So then I begin to play that out in our lives. And just think about it from us as Bethesda. It's easy to worship Jesus when you come into church here or at Kentucky Heights and the music is playing, people are lifting their hands, people are singing, the atmosphere changes how we act. I worship better in service than I do through the week because I'm around like-minded people that wants to worship the same way I'm desiring to worship. It's easier collectively to worship than it is independently. Does anybody know that to be true? Rosa, did you act here this morning like you did down there this weekend? I doubt it. <laughs> McKenna, no. Cheyenne, no. Where'd she go? She's got the baby somewhere. There she is, right here. This is right. Because our church don't worship the way. So what if we would invite Fidel to come and worship, lead worship for our church. I dare to say that most of us would stand back with our eyes wide open like what in the world is going on, wouldn't they not? 
because it's not the style we're used to. It's not the atmosphere that we're used to. And it's us not willing to change for that generation. I'm not saying I'm going to tell Leslie that she's supposed to start rapping during worship service. I don't think she, well, I ain't going to say she can't because if you dare, she'll do anything. So it's possible we might have a rap session for worship sometime soon. It would be pretty cool, I'd say, if you would upload it on YouTube of Leslie uh, getting people up front and having them to wave their hand like you just don't care and all that. But probably be pretty cool to watch on YouTube. And the freedom that's in Christ allows us to experience his freedom collectively better than we can independently. Look to your neighbor and say, it's easier to worship Jesus collectively than it is independently. And as the video was playing this morning, I was singing. I heard people behind me, probably Missy, I guess. She was the one behind me. I heard you singing, Missy. It was good. It was good. It was good. I was singing out of tune. Missy was singing in tune. I could tell. I'm not doing what she's doing, and I know I'm wrong. <laughs> but I began to think about how many of the people of Bethesda actually go home and through the week would pull up videos and independently worship Jesus. And it don't have to be a video. It can be Sister Joanne with a cassette tape from uh, the Gaither Vocal Band or whoever, maybe some uh, uh, Godsman, or is that it, the quartet, the Godsman, or something like that's the name of my thing. Who do you listen to? Who's your... What, what style of music do you like on TV? Okay. Amy, what do you listen to? Stuff like that. Rose, what do you, what type of music do you like? I saw where they was doing that, but I actually, we don't even have a radio in our house. I couldn't, I seen people posting about it, but I couldn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, radio is a thing of the, it's becoming a thing of the past, kind of. I wish they would, uh, WKKF would stream, but I don't know when that'll ever happen. I like listening to diversity. And on the way to church on Sunday mornings, a lot of times I'll turn on WKKF to hear what other people in the county are saying some of the other ministries of the county. There needs to be freedom in Christ that allows us to worship Jesus in the style that we're comfortable with. My generation of 
people that was born between 1960 and 1980 mostly can listen to, I, I grew up in a church where hymns were sung, that it was uh, the old rugged cross and, and uh, all, all the old, old hymns. And even Dusty talks about sometimes that he grew up in church where the old hymns were, were sang, and he can sing them word for word just the minute they begin to play. I, I can think back and remember my childhood to know that those songs and the lyrics to those songs. And Amazing Grace is one of the key songs that I think it's bridged the gap between every generation, like the, the video we've been watching, the Amazing Grace version that, uh, who, who did that? Was that Tomlin or one, Chris Tomlin, the one that did that, the word that, that he put extra lyrics with Amazing Grace, that my chains are gone and all that, that we listen to the videos that so far. So I thank God that we're part of a church that allows teenagers to have Fidel. Amen? I know churches that you can go to this morning that would say that's not of God. That would absolutely, Brad shaking his head, yes. They would absolutely say God would not allow that type of music in church. Is that freedom or is that bondage? That is absolutely bondage. So what I'm saying this morning, if there's freedom in Christ, the freedom that we all need to worship God, and that's what Jesus told the woman that he met at the well. You know the story? John chapter 4. Jesus walked up and his disciples went on into town and Jesus said, I'm just going to hang out here for a minute and you guys go ahead. How many knows Jesus wasn't tired? I don't think Jesus could get tired like I can get tired. But as Jesus let the disciples go on, he was sitting there alone, I think, because he knew somebody was coming. And this woman came up, and, and she had a bucket with her, and, and I'm sure she had a rope, and she, she let her bucket down into the well, and she pulled it out because that's why she went and got water every day in her normal way of life. And as she drew that water out of that well, that cistern, it was actually Jacob's well, and she pulled it out, and she was sitting there, and Jesus said, can I have a drink? I'm thirsty. How long has it been since your spirit was thirsty? Jesus was thirsty in the natural form of his body sitting there that day, but the woman that come to the well, she could draw water to satisfy her natural thirst, but her spiritual thirst was, I don't want to keep living like I'm living. And when Jesus said, can you give me a cup of water, she looked at him and she said, but Jews won't ask a Gentile for a cup of water. So you know what that tells you? Jesus got outside of the normal. Jesus got outside of the range of what the church would do. And as Jesus said these words to her, give me drink, she looked at him and said, well, that ain't possible because you're, you're a Jew and you're not even supposed to be talking to me and, and, and I'm not, I, I just don't want to give you a drink. I'm not like you. Then Jesus switches gears and says, but if you would give me a drink, then I would give you a drink of the everlasting fountain of everlasting life. And the woman says, what? 
how are you going to give me anything to drink? You don't have a rope and you don't have a bucket. Jesus said, I'm not talking about what you're dipping out of that ground. I'm talking about something that will come from inside of you that will roll out of you that you won't even know what it is, but it feeds your spirit, man. And she says, but really I don't even know, understand what you're talking about. Jesus said, well, go back and tell your husband, and maybe he'll come and explain it to you. You know the story, correct? John chapter 4. She says, but I don't have a husband. Jesus said, well, you've had five. Five husbands, but now you don't have one? And we see this in the church today, too, that somebody that's divorced is like an outcast. Anybody say amen? Because we get our mindset made up of who is who according to our standards. But Jesus said, even the guy you're living with now is not your husband, but I'm telling you, go back and tell them that the Messiah is here. The prophet is here. And the lady leaves her bucket and her rope, and she goes back to town, and the Bible says she, she preached to the men in her city and told them, I have met the Messiah, the prophet. He's here. This is another conundrum in the church world that we live in, is the fact that a woman can preach about Jesus in town. You see, there's people in the church today that will say, because Paul wrote in one little sentence in Corinthians that women are to keep silence in the church, they take it out of context and they make it into a place where the women have no rights and they're to sit down and be submissive to their husband and do nothing but work at home. Is that freedom or is that bondage? If there's freedom in Christ, it's freedom. And all these ideals that we make up and we make our conditions and what we allow God to do and what we won't allow God to do has got to cease. And if we're going to believe in amazing grace, I believe it's going to be a grace that allows God to do what he wants to do in our generation, in our church, and in our world. And we need to stop placing conditions on other people that's according to our standards when that's not what God's wanting done. So what are you saying, Pastor Ben? I'm saying that a woman went into town and preached to some men and they got their mindset changed because they come out of town and they come to this well and they said, show me this man. Who is it you're talking about? She said, I'm telling you somebody that give me everlasting life. He caused something to stir on the inside of me that changed me from the inside out. And today I'm a different person. I may have been married to five guys, but today I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, this is the words Jesus said. He said, God is seeking those to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he told the woman. God is seeking. You know why? Because the Samaritans had in their mindset that they had the well of Jacob 
And they worship God on that mountain. And they said, you Jews, you go over and you worship in, Jer- worship in Jerusalem. They was thinking worship was about a place. <laughs> when worship knows no bounds. Worship don't have a place where you have to be to be able to worship. And in church today, we don't have to be together collectively to worship God. You could be sitting in a skitter going up and down the side of the hill dragging logs and think about Jesus and something from the inside of you stir up and him change your mindset and begin to worship him. Right, Earl? Earl tells me stories about listening to music and, and thinking about God when he's skidding logs for his job. That's what worship is. Jesus says you don't have to be at, what's the address here? 109 Winterwood Lane. Leslie writes all that down. Her name, I don't do that. I have to ask her every time. <laughs> what's the address? I don't even know. It's Vanceburg. I know, I know Kentucky Heights, I remembered it because I had to write it down on the document so many times when the church was built in 58 Kentucky Drive. Quincy, not Kentucky Heights. Quincy. That weirded me out. So, it's not about a place you worship. It's about who you worship. Look to your neighbor and say, it's not about the place you worship. It's about who you worship. And I believe as a church, as Bethesda, I want us to be a body of believers that has worshipped so much during the week. Shake your head, amen. That we have worshipped in our own closets, in our own homes, on our own job sites, and when we come together collectively on Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons, that we bring in an atmosphere from within the Christians that whenever a visitor comes in, they don't experience something normal like the outside world, but they say, wow, something is changing in this group of people. Where our actions are louder than our words. Because if I've worshipped through the week, it's a better service come Sunday morning. And most people that say, I don't get anything out of Sunday morning, apparently didn't worship much through the week because they're not bringing it for anybody else. And I'm telling you right now, our church is about serving others. I don't believe you deserve the seat you're sitting in. I don't believe I deserve the position I'm standing in to talk to you today. It's only by God's grace that I'm able to do what I'm doing this morning. I can't do this. But Jesus can. And some people say, well, this is my seat. Would you give it up? If some, if, if we had, uh, there's uh, 50, 56 chairs in here this morning. What if we had 56 visitors next Sunday morning? Would you stand in the back to allow them to have your seat? If you wouldn't, you're in the wrong place. say I love you Pastor Ben even though I'm grouchy this morning for some reason I don't know why I just want truth and this woman goes back into town and she preaches to these men and they come out and meet Jesus too I want to declare to you this morning that women can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ if you have a woman sitting around you or a young lady won't you just lean over and tell them you've got a right to tell your friends and your family and your community about Jesus. 
You have a right, a God-given right. And most people say, well, well, you're taking that out of context. That was before Jesus died. Are you telling me Jesus changes? And if you want to take it to the true context, put it like this. The people that was afraid and sitting up in the upper room, scared to come out and afraid to get arrested and get killed like Jesus was, was the men sitting in the upper room and scared to come out. And the little old Mary, <laughs> little Mary comes out. The woman that had uh, had all kinds of issues in her life, she had been uh, all kinds of bad things. Mary Magdalene comes out of her hiding place and comes up to the tomb because it was customary for Jews that anybody that had died to be uh, have these uh, uh, oils and ointments to be placed on the body so that it could go in the resting place. And they had all this procedure they had to go through. It was Mary that was coming to put the ointments on Jesus. It wasn't his 12 disciples. They were sitting afraid in a room somewhere when normal, average, everyday Mary walked up and said, I'm putting some oil on him because that's what we're supposed to do. That's truth. So in the New Covenant, the New Testament, where Jesus had raised from the dead, because on the third day, Mary walked up to that place to do what she was supposed to do, and when she got there, the tomb was rolled back, the, the soldiers were laying there afraid, and Mary walks up, and she looks inside the tomb, and there's nobody in there. Jesus is alive. And an angel stands there and tells Mary, Jesus is alive. He is not here. He is risen. Go back and twelve, tell the 12 chickens, men, I'm looking you in the face this morning. Go back and tell the 12 chickens that's afraid to stand up for Jesus that he's risen. So Mary walks back into the upper room and she knocks on the door. They wouldn't even open the door. She said, I'm telling you, you need to come out of here because there's something great about to happen. She's preaching that Jesus is the risen Christ. He's the Messiah, the Son of God that isn't dead any longer. He's alive. A woman preacher in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. See, if we're going to talk about grace and the freedom of Christ, it's not bondage, it's freedom. And I believe Jesus will use, like these little young ladies that sat around up here when we've done questions with the missionaries, the little young girls that will go across the face of the planet and walk up to a man that's sitting there with a rifle in ISIS and say, Jesus loves you. And we're going to sit back in our comfortable homes and sit on our comfortable chairs and say it's good here and I don't want no Syrian refugees in my community. I don't, don't bring them to America. I'm afraid of them. What has amazing grace done in your life? You got any freedom?
Thank God for the people of Bethesda. I thank God for the people of Bethesda that stand for truth, that live in grace, and that live a God-fearing Today, I want to ask you a simple question. How long has it been since you felt Jesus on the inside? How long has it been since you felt Jesus on the inside? I'm not talking about coming and feeling goosebumps during praise and worship. I'm talking about where Jesus stirred you to not act like you usually act. How many has an issue with your own actions? I'll raise my hand first. How many will say, I don't act like Jesus a lot of the time? (laughs) A lot of the time. Pastor Ben don't act like Jesus. I want to. I desire to. But a lot of times I don't. I apologize. I want to be like Jesus. Because if he's on the inside, he should work his way to the outside. And he wants our actions to change. A lot of people say, I believe. I believe this, or I believe that. one thing to believe but it's another thing to do beliefs should be actions I thank God for a wife that when she's standing in Florida yesterday and she went back to the thrift store that where Erica worked and as she went back to that thrift store and Leslie's standing there looking through the window and she looks outside that window and there's a homeless man laying on the grass. She snapped a picture and she said, I'm tired of acting like I act. I need to be more thankful. 
we got a house to go home to, Dusty. I had hot running water this morning to take a shower in. I had a gas stove that lights itself automatically and keeps the room temperature at a certain point. I got two dogs that love me more than most people in my life. I'm thankful for that. You know why? Because when I'm alone, when I'm facing mind battles that I can't face, when Zoe gets up beside of me, Dusty, and licks my cheek, it makes my worries disappear because I know at least somebody loves me. There's a reason why they call a man's best friend because they are a man's best friend. You love your dog? Don't kick it when you go home. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Give it a big kiss. Leslie thinks I'm weird because I kiss Zoe. It's not a mouth kiss. So in amazing grace, I believe Paul is talking about, and some people, when what amazing grace in Galatians chapter 5 talks about is don't use grace for a means to keep sinning. Use grace as a means to be more active and do better things. That it changes your actions. That God's grace is what allows me to act better than I normally act. When I'm disappointed with myself and my actions, I need God's grace. And his grace is what can allow me to change, to be more like he wants me to be. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. I believe today is the day. Won't you stand? Bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody here, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're saved by raising your hand, say, Pastor Ben, I need God's grace so that I'll act better. Is there anybody here raising your hand? I need God's grace so I'll act better. I've got my hand up. pray this prayer. Everybody here, if you'll just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you, forgive me for my failures, for my faults, for my actions, for my sins. I ask you to help me live a God-fearing life, a life full of you, 
of your compassion, of your mercy, of your grace. Let me be a light in our community that witnesses you and what you have done in me and through me. In Jesus' name.